Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, folks. This is Rick Thomas with Life Over Coffee. I have been going through my digital downloadable book that is free to you called The Local Church, and I'm putting all of those chapters in a podcast, a video, and also in an article so that you can have it in any of those four places. If you want to, just go to our store, and you can download the book, The Local Church, and you can have all of the chapters in one place, and that would be great. If you want, you can listen to the chapters individually in uh, podcast format, or you can watch all the videos, and of course, they are in articles too, so you pick which of those four or all of those. By the way, if you do go to our store, make sure that you get all of our books in our store. Uh, We have a lot of digital downloadable books, and at this season in our ministry life, we're adding one book a month, and so uh, keep checking back uh, with our store, and you You'll find uh, new books being added all along, but make sure you get all the ones that we have now because they're free. We build these with joy and also for you. Uh, We hope that we spark conversation for transformation. And so not only are you to get one or get all of them, I want you to let 1,000 of your closest friends know uh, that they can benefit as well. And so this particular chapter in the book, The Local Church, I've titled it The Second Most Important Question That You Can Ask Your Church, because sometimes, and many of you have had this experience, where regrettably... Uh, you have to look for a local church. And so as you do that, there are there's criteria. There are things that we are looking for. And uh, over the past couple of episodes, I'm trying to deal with those things. And in the previous episode, the previous chapter in the book, I talked about the most important question when looking for a local church, and that concerns the gospel. The main thing, forever and ever, amen. Nothing is more essential in any local church than the good news of the gospel. And a synonym, Christ is the good news. Christ is the gospel. Now, there are many things that matter when looking for a church, but nothing matters more than the gospel. There has to be a prioritization of the things that we're looking for, and that's why I am taking time to deliberate and to articulate so that uh, we have our minds situated properly as we look for a local church and we have this sequence in order, and I do want Christ to be exalted, the gospel to be exalted above all things. So let's suppose that we exalt Christ in our minds, in our lives, and we seek to imitate Him in all that we do. Now, if that is true, then Christ is preeminent. He is number one. And then what that will do, it will create a presuppositional window, a pair of glasses that will allow us to interpret everything else rightly. Christ is the lens. The gospel is the lens. And so it will allow us to interpret other important things that we look for in a local church, like our theology, worship, ministries, and everything else in church life is congruent with the gospel that we exalt if we are looking through our gospelized glasses. And so to follow Christ well, I mean, that is the implication. It means that we will disregard anything 
that will impede or hinder our walk with Him. Thus, with Christ established firmly, foundationally, as the preeminent one, then we have this proper filter to discern the other vital matters of the church. Now again, I want to go back to what Paul said in Galatians 1 about the exaltation and the preeminence of the gospel. You're familiar with these verses. But if even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. That's, that's high language. That is strong language. He went on to say, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. We talk about in the gospels where Jesus would say, truly, truly, where he uses the redundant language there, and that's because he's punctuating a point. Well, Paul is doing that now. Truly, truly, he says the same thing uh, twice. The gospel is the person and the work of Christ. His person, his ontology, who he is as a being. But it's also his work because his work flows out of his state of being. And so the gospel is the person and the, the function or the activity of the most vital aspects of our lives too. Who we are as people from an ontological perspective, our alien righteousness being in Christ, that's who we are. And then what flows out of that is what we do. Those two things are contiguous, uh, and they, there's a sequence there. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Thus, our state of being must be like Christ. We want to be Christ-like. We want to have His alien righteousness. And then out of that comes our works, which, which will permit us to be Christ-like. Now, if the church properly understands and practices the gospel, Christ, then it positions itself to equip each other in our ongoing transformation into Christ-likeness. That is, that is our goal. That is the goal for the world, that we want to go into the world and we want to evangelize. What, what do we want to evangelize them into? Into Christ-likeness. And so the gospel is what we present. Here is Christ. Follow him. And that's what I mean. It gives us a presupposition to interpret all of life. We do have those gospelized glasses now, those lenses that will provide the discernment to pick and to choose the most biblically precise way to live. And so the main thing when looking for a church is the gospel. Paul would say, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. And so the gospel's the main thing leading to what I want to deal with in this chapter, the second most important question that you can ask when looking for a church. Let me begin this way. 
For several years, I had the opportunity of being part of a local church's pastoral team, and one of my responsibilities was to follow up with our guest. In many cases, I was the first contact that our guest heard from after the initial visit. Sometimes I would give them a phone call. Other times I would send them an email. Many times we would have them over into our home or we would go out and eat. But in most cases, I was the first contact outside of that church meeting that they attended that Sunday morning. Our church had over 3,000 first-time guests during the five years that I kept track of such things. I fielded thousands of questions about our church. The one question never asked was our church's view of the gospel. And I mean that, never, literally. No one was interested in how we thought about the gospel or how we sought to practicalize the gospel, Him, in the lives of our local body. Now, perhaps, and I would imagine this is the most common reason, is that they assumed we were right on the gospel. Now, maybe they were unaware that we could not imitate Him properly without a clear understanding of Christ. And so there was an assumption, well, of course they're right on the gospel because you can't imitate Christ without being right on the gospel. And so with charity, perhaps that's, it is what is going on or was going on in their minds. I, I don't know. But what I do know is the things that were most important to them were almost always tertiary matters. Questions like, tell me about the children's ministry. That was like number one, like the first thing that they would ask. What kind of music do you have? What other ministries do you offer? Now, all of these queries are important. I'm not throwing them under the bus, but they don't rank that high on the list of most certainly, and most certainly do not come close to the importance of the gospel. Now, sometimes our newcomers would inquire about the second most crucial question when looking for the church, and that is the church's theology. Now, maybe they assume that we were right on the gospel, that we exalt Christ, that He is preeminent, that He is the most important thing. He is the person that we are evolving or transforming into. And so if that is true, then, okay, tell me about your theology that actually makes that happen. You see, the gospel and theology, the first and second most important questions that you will ask when looking for our church, they're like 1A and 1B. And I wouldn't even say one and two, because those things are so contiguous to each other. It's like a coin, and you can't have the coin without both sides. But heads is definitely the gospel, and theology would be tails in this illustration. They are two inseparable parts of a whole that determine the kind of church that you belong to. Christ is the elevated example that we worship. He is the pattern that our life imitates. And it's our theology that brings Him into perfect view. With Christ lifted and our theology informing how we think about Him, 
we're in the best place to practically live him out in our communities. Now, some people could haggle over this and say, well, theology has to be first because that will help us to understand Christ better. That's fine. I'm not going to argue too much about that position, but I just don't like putting Christ in any other role or any other place in any other stratification except for number one. Uh, but obviously theology has to be contiguous to number one because it's our theology uh, that will inform us how to be Christ-like. And so that's, it informs us how to think about him. And as it does, then we're in the best place to practically live him out in our communities. And so there's a lot. Of, there's not a lot here to argue about as long as we understand the symmetry between 1A and 1B. To those who spend their lives helping Christians through personal, relational, situational problems, as I have been doing for a long time now, it's unsurprising to them that our fellow strugglers, those people that we help in counseling or other discipleship contexts, it, it doesn't surprise us that their view of the gospel and theological positions are secondary matters at best. People who struggle the most do not have a high view of the gospel and do not have sound theology that continues to keep that high view in front of them. These folks who struggle the most tend toward pragmatism. What's in it for me? Can you help my marriage? Can you help my children? Can you help me get out of this situation? Those are important things. There is no question about that. How can you help me? But this is what I want to say. There is a clear correlation between a person's views of the gospel and theology and how they practically live their Christian lives. Without clarity about the person and work of Jesus Christ and sound theology that brings that clarity, you cannot live a sound, practical Christian life. And so it's like, I want this, but it's not important to me about the gospel and theology. Well, guess what? You cannot have that. Theology implies the primary doctrines of the faith, and there are many, like bibliology, the study of the Bible, theology proper, the study of God, Christology, the study of Christ, pneumatology, the study of the Spirit, anthropology, the study of humanity, soteriology, the study of salvation, harmardiology, the study of sin, ecclesiology, the study of the church, it goes on and on. But that is theology, these doctrinal categories that we want to learn about, grow into, mature, understand, and, and that will help us to continue to elevate Christ as our exalted head. Now, perhaps a few questions will help you to evaluate where you stand regarding your theology. You see, everyone has a, a theological understanding. Everyone is theological. Every human who's ever lived is theological. Everyone has a view and a practice of God in their lives. Satan has a theology. His theology is, in a nutshell, he adamantly rejects God. Your church reveals its theology about their mastery of God's Word. How they master God's Word will reveal to you their theology. The, God's Word is the primary source material to build a theological framework. 
They shape your thoughts about theology. They influence how you apply theology to your life and to your world. I mean, outside of your family, the local church is the most essential theological shaping influence in any Christian's life in the long term. Obviously, you can go to a Bible college. You can go uh, to a seminary. You can go to other universities and, and spend a season learning theology. You can take our Mastermind program, which I, I recommend for many of you. And part of our uh, Mastermind program is going through the corpus of systematic theology. And so you can spend a season learning a lot about theology, but in the long run, it is in the context of the local church making it the second most essential place for theological, uh, theological shaping. Now, in this article here, the second most important question that you can ask uh, as far as looking for a church, I have here an infographic. Uh, we call it our theological pyramid. I didn't create it. Uh, it comes from different places, and you can find some version of this in a lot of places. But I would encourage you, if you have the time, in the book, The Local Church, that you can download from our store, or you can go to this article here, the second most important question you can ask your church. You can look at this theological pyramid. I'm not going to go through it here for time's sake, but you can have it. It's a free infographic for you, and it will assist in understanding the structure and the process for living a gospel-centered life. And so those questions about preferences that I asked earlier, uh, what about the music, children's ministry, other ministries? I, I have preferences about my local church's music, children's ministry, other ministries, because I care about our church's values and their practices. I care how they will care for my family. As I said, I'm not throwing these secondary preferences under the bus. I am, I am sequence, I'm, I'm putting them in a sequential order. And you care too. But in another sense... It does not amount to a, a hill of beans what kind of music a church plays or the comprehensiveness of its ministries if they have skewed views of the gospel and theology. You see, there is a prioritization sequence that is vital. The gospel and theology come before and set the stage for everything that follows. If the church is not right on the gospel, it won't be right on its theology because they will not have gospelized way of viewing these things. And whatever else it may provide, it will fall woefully short of God's word. I have listened to Roman Catholic music that is hands down better than some of the music that I hear in Baptist churches that I have attended. And I'm not going to join the Roman Catholic Church because I disagree with their theology. The Mormon Church has some fabulous music too. They also have a high view of the family as their video resources impressively present. But their theology is abysmal. The Jehovah Witnesses can shame most Christians in their ministry zeal, particularly in the area of community outreach. But we know better. There is no sound theological argument for becoming a Jehovah Witness. A local church can provide the most amazing accoutrements of religion, 
but not give you a theologically sound and practically replicatable Jesus. Preferences are essential, but our preferences may be detrimental to our souls without a clear understanding of the gospel or sound theology. One of the most effective ways to determine your motive for being part of a local church is by answering the question, why do you attend or why do you want to attend this local church? If your primary motive con concerns a preference rather than 1A, the gospel, and 1B, sound theology, then I appeal to you to reconsider why you belong to your local church. Let me provide you with a list of secondary preferences that should never come before 1A and 1B. Music genre. KJV versus NKJ, NKJV versus ESV versus NASB, etc. The Bible Wars. Uh, the Bible, the Bibles, uh, the little translations of the Bible. Children's ministries, a place to fulfill your burden. I just want a place to fulfill my burden. Preaching style, programs, outreach. Now you can make a case for all of those things. And so when I, I, I put these as a secondary category, I'm not saying it negatively at all. Now, what we think about the Bible, or well, the type of Bible we use is essential. Children's ministry, obviously, are vital. A place to fulfill your burden, to, to use your gifting in the unique way that God is working in your life. Preaching style, or more specifically, expositional preaching, certain programs, outreach, evangelism, all of those things are important. And so this is not an either-or uh, argument that I'm making. But you can nearly do all of those things in a secular organization or a church with awful theology and a zero understanding of the gospel, but what do you have? Without a high and lifted up gospel informed by sound theology, you're in a local church that will not give you what you need. Now, as I share this with you, I, I can hear rightfully some people, well, many people, they, they can say, well, I can't find one. And I, I get that. Uh, we have our private forums that we've been running here at Life Over Coffee for many, many years now. And one of the more common questions that happens is that we just don't have a church like what I am describing here. The assumption is that gospel sound and theologically precise churches are everywhere especially in America, but it's not true. And worse, in other countries where the gospel has never been or the gospel left centuries ago. In areas where there is a shortage of gospel exaltation and sound theology, the good news is that there are more options today than in the past. They're not, they are not as preferable but God will not forsake you, even if you cannot gather as a local assembly, a local church. In most places worldwide, the internet access puts you seconds away from pastors and churches who are doing it the right way. Of course, the 
internet, and I, I do have to say this, it, it creates a, an ease of access temptation for those with disappointing church experiences because we get the cynical ones too. Those who have been hurt by local churches or pastors to where they retreat and isolate from the body of Christ. I understand this temptation in the most painful of ways. I was part of Sovereign Grace Ministries for a number of years. It's an authoritarian, abusive, and corrupt organization that could have been the impetus for me to never set my foot in a local church again. It took me two years, two years to recover from what happened during my tenure with Sovereign Grace Ministries. However, we had a church option in our community during that time, and we took that church option. We did not even consider, I did not even consider that I would not belong to a local church, even though I was significantly damaged by being part of this organization. Here's my appeal to anyone who has had a horrible church experience. I, I understand. I really, really do. And my appeal is not to let what happened to you sour your view of God's church. God gave us the church to protect us. Are people going to use that sinfully for their own selfish or narcissistic reasons? Well, of course they are, but it doesn't change the beauty of the local church and its purposes. My appeal would be to be honest with yourself. And though the choice in your area might not be the most favorable, if they're right on the gospel and they practice sound theology, then become part of that gathering and get in there and make a difference. The response to bad experiences is not retreating, not isolating, not walling yourself off from a primary means of grace that God's Word puts forth to help us to mature through the fallenness of our world especially if the disappointment comes from the local church. Please hear my uh, appeal. Other folks have chosen house churches, a smaller and smaller gatherings of like-minded believers who adhere to what the exalted Christ and, and sound theology is. These house churches are, are typical worldwide. They're not as much in America, though it is a growing uh, thing at this point in time. These house churches are not necessarily out of line with the early church, actually, and could be an option for those hungering for God's word and koinonia. Of course, there is your family. If all you have are the folks in your household, do not neglect to gather for teaching, for praying, for singing, and administering the word within your family. The Bible would assume that the authority figure in the home would do this regardless of church options. But sometimes it's the only option. As we saw during the pandemic, the suicide rate and psychological complications spiked because folks isolated from each other. Isolation is one of the worst forms of punishment, and no Christian should crave isolation over the community no matter how small that community may be. I have titled this article at lifeovercoffee.com the second most important question you can ask your church. It is part of a digital download in our store uh, that you're welcome to have. And so please get the digital, but you can also listen to all of the podcasts, read all of the articles in an isolated way, 
And then, of course, you can watch all the videos, too. As I wrap up, I do want to ask you a, a few questions that I hope will help you to flesh out uh, what I've just shared with you. So there's seven question sets. Number one, define the gospel from an ontological and an orthopraxy perspective. Number two, why is the gospel of first importance in a church? In what ways could a church be off regarding the gospel? What would happen if the church's view of the gospel was off? That's question number two. Number three, why would a skewed view of the gospel corrupt a church's understanding of theology? What are some examples of messed up theology because of a wrong understanding of the gospel? Now, we see that in our culture. I, I give you a, a couple of illustrations. The social gospel. Some people believe Christ, the good news, is, is here for us to be healthy, wealthy, and wise always. And that social gospel will mess up our theology or you could take it the other way. Our theology will uh, skew how we understand and, and practice the gospel. Another illustration would be social justice. Uh, we see Jesus being turned into something that he, it was never intended for him to be. And so having a skewed, a skewed view of the gospel, uh, and it will, it will twist a church's understanding of theology. And so perhaps you have other examples to answer question number three. Number four. Let's say the church has some of the best ministries you've ever experienced, but their theology was heretical. Why would it be dangerous for you and your family to continue in that church? Now, perhaps these first four questions set, and the remaining three, that it would be good to uh, sit down and do life over coffee. Uh, we seem to insist this all the time. Uh, particularly, I'm in a small group context. These are great for our articles. Uh, you can read them, and we, we have these CTAs at the end of all of them, and so you have questions that you can work through. Number five, what are some reasons folks would retreat from the church? I, I shared the temptation of, of me retreating. How would you steal man your arguments, making a case that it's okay not to attend a church? That's an inverted question, so I'm not asking you to make a case why you should attend a church. But for the person who is not attending a local church, I would ask them to steal man their argument, to bring in all the data that they could possibly can and, and make a, a, a solid case for why they should not attend a local church using the Bible as well. That, that is a way to help them uh, defend their position for not attending a local church. Number six, this is a project. Would you collect all the one another verses in the New Testament for an extended project and choose a few of those one another's to your life? And you can do a search for the one another's. It's easy to do on the internet. And you can get many, if not all of them, and then just start reading through those verses. What did you learn? This would be part of your project. What were the applications? How do you think this exercise will change you? Now, that is a longer-term project. Perhaps if you're counseling someone who's looking for a local church or they've been burnt out by the local church, uh, maybe by the time they got to question six here, this would be a good multi-week exercise uh, for you as a discipler or a counselor to uh, encourage them to do. Number seven, finally, 
after you make a few applications, speak with someone about this project sharing what God did in your heart and life through this exercise. And so that would be the final step in this project is to have them talk with, now maybe it's you. It would be good if it was you, and but they shared with someone else about what God is doing. It is the woman at the well thing where she went into town and said, come see a man. We always want to go and tell others what we're learning from God's word. And that will help us to solidify that information. It will sink down into our psyche. It will begin to own us and master us. It will be ours the more that we can articulate it. And so encourage them to share with another person what they learned through this one another exercise. The title of this is the second most important question you can ask your church. Be sure to, however you do this, read the entire series and articles Listen to all the podcasts, watch all the videos. All of that stuff's on our website at lifeovercoffee.com. You'll find this particular article, the second most important question you can ask your church. Now, the best way to search it is in the upper right-hand corner. There is a magnifying glass. Just type second most important question. You don't have to type the whole thing. If you type second most important question, this would probably come up first or second in your search, and so you'll be right there. But then also make your way over to our store as well and uh, get that digital download, the local church. Now, we also have mugs, for example, uh, in our store. We have merchandise. And for those of you who want to be part of the cool crowd, I would encourage you to uh, get one of our mugs. This is an example here uh, for those of you who are watching by video. And you're welcome to order those. And there's many other things at our store, too. But primarily get those digital downloads uh, the first one here, the one I'm talking about here, the local church. Get the others, share them with your friends. Thank you so much. God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.